Page 263, the bottom of page 263. We'll read together. To those who complain about this grace of an undeserved election and about the severity of a just reprobation, we reply with the words of the apostle, Who are you, O man, to talk back to God? And with the words of our Savior, Have I no right to do what I want with my own? We, however, with reverent adoration of these secret things, cry out with the apostle, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways beyond tracing out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, Yahweh does not call us to a blind faith. Our faith is a reasonable faith. We don't check our brains in at the door to come here and worship him. But the Christian faith is a mysterious faith. There are things revealed in this Christian faith, this one true faith that we confess, but they are things that are beyond our comprehension revealed to us for our comfort. Bread and wine are for us the true body and blood of Christ. When we receive the supper, do we, how do we receive it? Do we come up here, get the bread and the wine from Pastor Jared, sit down and dissect the bread for skin cells? Or do we eat Christ by faith? Christ is two natures, one person, true human, true man. In the Athanasian Creed, we confess, we believe and confess, that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and man equally. He is God from the essence of the Father, begotten before time. And he is man from the essence of his mother, born in time. True God, true man, with a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father as regards divinity, less than the Father as regards humanity. Although he is God and man, yet Christ is not two, but one. So Christ has a true human nature and a true divine nature that are in his person unconfusedly, un, unconfusedly, unchangeably, inseparably, and indivisibly united in his person. When we hear this truth, how do we receive it? Do we seek to saw Christ in half? Do we climb up to heaven, try and drag him down and put him in the lab for analysis to figure out which percents are which? Or do we receive by faith the mystery that for our sakes, the second person, the Trinity, took on flesh so that by the power of his divinity, he might bear in his humanity the full weight of the wrath of God against sin. And speaking of the Trinity, we believe in the Trinity. God is three persons, one being. We worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither confounding their persons nor dividing the substance. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit is still another. But the divinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. How do we receive this truth? When we hear about the Trinity, do we climb up to heaven and divide the substance? Do we teach God as if he were the Cartwright family, just a father and three fellas, one family, different beings? 
Or do we climb up to heaven and confuse the persons? Do we think of God as someone suffering from multiple personalities disorder? Do we teach God as a tortured, fractured mind? Or, by faith, do we all believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, in keeping with the truth of the word of God, that we believe in one God who is single in essence, in whom there are three persons, really, truly, and eternally distinct, according to their incommunicable properties, and all three are one in truth, power, goodness, and mercy. What we do is we joyfully receive, believe, and confess that this triune God who is revealed in the Word has revealed himself in the Word as having conspired in eternity to save his people. That's mystery revealed for comfort. And see, this all applies to our article tonight because when we come to the doctrines of election and reprobation, when we come to the doctrine that God has mercifully loved a people in eternity through no merit of their own, and yet on the other hand has justly reprobated a people who fell by their own fault, when we come to the mystery that God is sovereign over sin, and yet he is not the author of it, that he has decreed the fall, that he has decreed every sin that will happen, and he has decreed everything that will be, and yet he is not the author of sin. When we come to this mystery that God is sovereign and man is responsible, how do we receive it? We receive it by faith. And our article tonight answers that question further. We, however, with reverent adoration of secret things, cry out with the apostle, O oh, the depths, with reverent adoration of these secret things, says our canon tonight. One pastor translated it this way, and I think it's a good translation. We piously adore the mystery. We piously adore the mystery. And that's our theme tonight. We piously adore the mystery. Mystery, and we've got two points tonight. First, mystery gives us otherworldly comfort. And secondly, mystery makes us comforted worshipers. Mystery gives us otherworldly comfort. Mystery makes us comforted worshipers. Point one, mystery gives us otherworldly comfort. When God reveals things we cannot fully comprehend, he does not do it just to confuse us. He doesn't do it to torture us. He reveals these things for our comfort. Mystery is revealed for comfort. We confess the two natures of Christ because it comforts us. Christ, the doctrine of Christ, the God-man, True God, true man comforts us because it means he can save us. He's true man, and God's wrath requires a human to pay human debt so he can save us because he's human. But then he can save us because he's God, because by the power of his divinity, he can survive the wrath of God. So the scriptures reveal Christ Jesus, the God-man, not because God wants to confuse us, but because the doctrine of Christ comforts us. The same is true with the Trinity. The Trinity is revealed for our comfort. God has revealed himself in his word as the triune God to comfort us. God reveals his triune nature in his word so that we can rest in the awesome truth that our salvation happened because of, by the power of the will of a divine conspiracy made in eternity. Christ reveals, I and the Father are one so that we can safely rest in, all mine are yours and yours are mine. And the truth that both the Father and the Son hold us uns unsnatchably in their hand. Christ reveals, I will pray the Father and he'll send you another comforter so that we can rest in peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. 
The triune God reveals his triune nature in his word so we can know that the mysterious eternal trinity has promised to save you. The father loved you. He sent his son to save you. The son so loved you, he said, I will go. And he humbled himself to obedience, even to the point of death on the cross. The spirit so loved you that now because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we are no longer slaves, but sons. And if son, then an heir through God. The Trinity is mystery revealed for comfort. And so when we teach and receive the mystery of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, we teach it and receive it as any other mystery that comforts us. And then we piously adore the mystery. God has revealed election and reprobation for our comfort. When we look around the world, when we look at the world and see around us people who are inventors of all kinds of evil, when we see people whose glory is their shame, and when we see people exchanging the truth of God for a lie, God has revealed reprobation in his word for our comfort. When we see people leaving the one true church and joining the side of Satan, God has revealed reprobation for our comfort. He has revealed reprobation so that we can know he is still in control. God is still in control. He didn't let the world get out of hand. He didn't leave for a beer and come back and find the place a mess. He didn't lose track of people or get busy or give up his power. God is sovereign even over sin. The Apostle Paul says he gave them over to do whatever their evil hearts desire. God is sovereign, and yet he is not the author of sin. He doesn't cause it. That's mystery revealed for our comfort. Can we understand that fully? Of course not. We can understand God's sovereignty and man's responsibility as much as we can understand the Trinity. We'll never fully understand it at the side of glory. But can we trust him? Yeah, we can trust him. We can trust that God ordained to save his people by sending Joseph into slavery and suffering and prison. Genesis 50, Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. We are never going to fully understand how God's sovereignty and man's responsibility correlate, but we can absolutely trust the heart of the Father who tells it to us in his word because he reveals mystery for comfort. We have comfort that the God who counts our hairs, the God who watches the sparrows and clothes the lilies, and the God who is even sovereign over every sin that has ever happened, that God has promised everything he ordains, he ordains for our good. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. God will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this veil of tears. He is able to do this because he's almighty God, and he desires to do this because he's a faithful father to me because I belong to him in Christ Jesus. God is sovereign. He is sovereign even over sin and yet not the author of sin, and he reveals that mysterious truth to comfort us. He, he reveals it to comfort us in his purpose and his love and his plan to save his people in eternity. 
So what we do with this mystery is what we do with any other mystery. We piously adore the mystery. And that brings us to point two. Mystery makes us comforted worshipers. So not only does mystery give us otherworldly comfort, but it, it makes us comforted worshipers. God gives us mysterious comfort in order to make us worshipers. As we rest in the comfort of the truth, it overwhelms us with gratitude at so great a deliverance. Romans 11 is at the tail end. Romans 11 is what our canons quote tonight. Romans 11 is at the tail end of a long and glorious revelation of the deep things of God. Paul has just shown us the great love of God who has loved us unchangeably in eternity, who has sent his son to save us from our sin and misery, and to do for us in the gospel what we could not do for ourselves in the law. And he has done that all so that, like we heard this morning, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Paul has shown us God's purpose and plan in mercifully saving the Jacobs who did not deserve it and yet justly reprobating the Esau's to show us his power and highlight his mercy. Paul has shown us how the Holy Spirit sovereignly uses preaching to draw in those whom God loves. And he has shown us how even the mystery of reprobation is part of God's plan, his loving sovereign plan to show his love for the elect. But at the end of it all, in Romans 11, at the tail end of all this deep truth, the place where Paul lands and the purpose of all these hard and deep things that we are never going to fully comprehend, the purpose, the, the thing that this mystery is driving us toward is worship and praise. And that's where Paul goes. Oh, the depths. The depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? who has given him a gift that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. That's praise. To him be glory forever. Mystery makes us comforted worshipers. One pastor comments this way. After speaking from the word by the spirit of the Lord, Paul is overwhelmed by the majesty of so great a mystery. He can't do anything but wonder and exclaim that the riches of God's wisdom are deeper than our reason can penetrate. Whenever we speak about the eternal counsels of God, we must always watch our thoughts and tongues so that after we speak carefully and within the limits of God's word, our reasoning drives us to admiration. And if Paul, who was caught up in the third heaven, can do nothing but praise the perplexing mystery, then we should not be ashamed to humble ourselves as he did and praise the depths of the riches of so great a deliverance. Mystery is for our comfort, and it is comfort to make us worshipers. We embrace and piously adore the mystery of God's sovereignty, not because we can comprehend God's mind, but because we can bless the hand that guided and bless the heart that planned. The heart that planned even to save us by the hands of Pilate and Herod, say the apostles. Your sovereign hand and plan planned for Jesus to die at the hands of Herod. The heart that planned to show his sovereign mercy even through the wicked hands of those who crucified the Lord of glory. We can trust the heart that planned both election and reprobation for our good and for the glory of his name. We can bless the heart that planned for us to love and enjoy him fully and forever because of his great love with which he loved us. We are never going to fully understand the ins and outs of things beyond our comprehension. We just won't. 
but we can believe the mysteries that God has revealed in his word for our comfort to make us worshipers. And we can praise the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of the God who tells us these things so that we can love him, we can trust him, and we can worship and praise him to the praise of his glory for what he has done. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.